This is Real Presence Live, the last show of the year. Tom O'Keefe and Steve Splonskowski in studio. studio. Merry Christmas, Tom. Merry Christmas to you as well. How are you doing today? Christmas season. I'm doing marvelous. We were just talking about sharing uh, time with our families and getting together with our, uh, you know, being around our, our children and, and sharing that time. What a great time to, uh, to slow down and uh, kind of just take, uh, take that opportunity to, to, to think about how the Lord has blessed us. Yeah, and just really enjoy the Christmas season, Yeah, starting on Christmas Day, yeah. and just the Christmas octave, and, and take some time to just really take stock of where you're at with the Lord. Yeah, I know with our family for a Christmas meal, we had, at, the, at, at the end of the meal, I just said, okay, let's just kind of start talking about, you know, what, we're, uh, what we've experienced this year and, and the graces we've received. And one of my children said, what is this, Thanksgiving? I said, yeah, it is. <laughs> we're going to give thanks. Uh, and it was a really great conversation. We just kind of went around the, the table and... and uh, talked about the experiences we had and how the Lord was, uh, we encountered the Lord throughout the year. And I, I think it ended up being like an hour long conversation after, after the meal, but uh, what a great time to slow down and uh, really just take stock on what the Lord's been doing. Yep. And, and plan for the new year. We're talking, we were talking before we went on the air about, you know, planning for our time away with the Lord and, and be intentional about it this year. Just to, uh, uh, Make that time for him, and, and just be intentional with our our recovery time, so we can we can uh, we can do our best. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to get into some of the the readings this year, this week, folks. Uh, beautiful readings uh, uh, after Christmas. But uh, Tom, let's uh, start our our conversation here with a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, we just come to you today, thankful, thankful for this this Christmas season, thankful for the gift of your Son, who. who became incarnate, who became flesh for us, who became like us in all things but sin. And we just celebrate this this beautiful Advent, or season this week with Christmas and the Feast of St. Stephen, uh, St. John the Evangelist, and today the, the Holy Innocents. And Lord, I just as I'm reflecting on my, my morning prayer this morning, the, the canticles were so beautiful. And the, the gospel canticle this morning, at the king's command, these innocent babies and little children were put to death. They died for Christ, and now in the glory of heaven, as they follow him, the sinless lamb, they sing forever, glory to you, O Lord. They sing forever, glory to you, O Lord. In the name of your precious Son, we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And as Tom mentioned there, the uh, readings following the uh, right after Christmas on the December 26th, of course, is the uh, St. Stephen. Of course, I love that day, Tom. I'm a little yeah, bit biased. A little bit biased. Uh, there. I always, I think growing up, I always missed that feast because it was right after Christmas and you move right into, you know, kind of the, the next day. And But as I've gotten older, really kind of trying to focus in on that, that uh, feast of St. Stephen and followed by John, the evangelist, and then today the Holy Innocents. Um, let's kind of just walk through those a little bit, Tom. And as, uh, as we were really Stephen is considered the first martyr of the church and with kind of the, the fun thing there is he's also the, one of the deacons, the first deacons, which yep. we're both studying yep, for the diaconate. Yep. And, uh, you know, just that, that experience of him standing there and uh, really witnessing to the faith, which uh, being a martyr, the word martyr means witness, and witnessing, witnessing to his faith, uh, that his witness became part of that seedbed for Saul, to become Paul and become become one of the, the greatest um, apostles of the church, but it was his witness that that led to that. 
I was able to lecture this week for Mass on, on, on that feast, and I hadn't prepared, and, and just got up and, and, and read it. And it was, it was a shorter reading, but I was really struck. What really struck me was joy as I read that. And, you know, it, you think of a man being stoned to death, and it wouldn't be a, a joyful reading, but uh, uh, I just, he was so joyful through, through it all and praising God through it all and his eyes to heaven through it all that you know that was so much of his witness of of it all and i just was i just sat down afterwards and go i didn't expect that to experience that yeah i know in the scriptures it says he had the face uh, like the face of an angel um as he looked to the heavens and of course he repeats you know, similar words says Jesus' words on the cross where he looks to the heavens and says lord our father do not hold this sin against them they know not what they do he prays uh, stephen also prays for those who are killing him, um, taking his life. And of course, I know as Tom, as Christians, um, I really struggle praying for my enemies. I really struggle even for the person who on a daily basis just annoys me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If somebody is a bad driver, my first thought is, I hope you go in the ditch as you pass me. And I think, oh, I mean, I mean, I hope you have a great day. Um, What a challenge. Yeah, a couple years ago, I was doing spiritual direction with, with Father Miller here in town here and and I, I was giving giving me some advice, and at the end of it, he advised me to, you know, I want you to you take that person that bothered you the most at work, and be overly kind to them, and pray for them. And my first thought was, can you give me some other advice? <laughs> but it was it was very life changing for me. It dramatically changed my relationship with that individual because sadly somebody came right to mind, and uh, it didn't change that person, but it changed me changed me as as i as i prayed for that person and and started not perceiving anything everything as a reason for me to get angry you know so it was it was powerful yeah what a great opportunity and so for the the reading i think uh, for myself um for uh the day after christmas december 26 was that takeaway of you know how how do i love my enemies how do i mean god who came to earth as man to bring us salvation uh, gives everything for us and he gives us everything, and it's and how how is it that I can't give something back to those who might offend me, even in the smallest way? And so that's a challenge for me um, to just be aware of how the Lord is trying to do that in me. He's trying to create uh, maybe a, a you know person that kind of a a quiet heart, an open heart to to loving mm-hmm. more deeply. Yeah. And then, this, then the day after that, we have the feast of John the Evangelist, which we're talking is a kind of a weird placement in the liturgical calendar. Yeah, we jump from the nativity, the birth of Christ, to his resurrection. Two days later, uh, it's the reading of uh, John, where he, uh, well, Mary Magdalene comes to John and Peter and says they've taken the Lord's body and they run to the tomb. So many interesting things in this reading, Tom, where they they run to the tomb. John's younger than Peter, so he outruns him. He gets to the to the uh, tomb first but he doesn't go in peter comes along he goes in when he goes in he notices that the burial cloths are there and that the the very burial napkin covering jesus head is folded up and in a different place and then after that john walks in and uh and then he says and he believed so that that's kind of the the gospel in a nutshell a lot of a lot of things in there um that are interesting to me yeah. and it, and that can be the challenge for all of us as we you talk about leaping from Christmas to the resurrection, but even the incarnation, do we believe? 
Yeah. And can we believe? And can we ask ask for more faith? Father Braun in his homily kind of went on the tangent of the beloved son. Uh, you know, how at the cross uh, Mary is given to the beloved disciple and how here at this time of Christmas it's an opportunity for us again to reflect that we too are that beloved disciple. That here's our opportunity to embrace the incarnation and, and get through this season and think of ourselves as that, that same man, that same woman that's beloved by the Lord. Well, we were talking about the interesting placement of John, you know, two days after Christmas, but I, you know, maybe that is the, the placement there where we have, he's, you know, considered the beloved apostle, probably, I think, the youngest apostle yes. um, there, and so that's the placement there, of that, and he did have that. He was the one who leaned in on Jesus' chest at the last, uh, you know, at the last supper and asked the question that Peter said, you know, who, Lord, who, who, who will betray you? Um, and so just that, that closeness to the Lord. And then today we have the uh, the feast of the Holy Innocents. Yeah. Again, a, a stark, dramatic, graphic uh, image of uh, a different realization of the coming of Christ. Right. I think about what the the depths that Herod would go to for fear of losing what he had. Yeah. Rather embracing what was there. You know, it really stood out to me, Tom, too, is we have three players in the readings this morning where you have Joseph. So it starts out with Joseph has a dream, and he's, you know, the Lord tells him to take, get up and take uh, Jesus to Egypt because Herod is seeking his life. And then you have Herod, who is the one who, he gets angry because the, the three kings, the Magi, um, don't come back his direction and don't tell him. Why? Because they were warned in a dream not to go that back, back that direction. And then the Magi. So these three players, we have Joseph, Herod, and the Magi. Now, now Joseph was definitely, of course, a believer. He was close to the Lord, and he was <laughs> literally close to the Lord. He was carrying him with him. Herod was also, he was technically a believer, right? He was a Jew, um, but he was a, a governor. And so he would had ties to the Roman government too. So he was a, a kind of a, a political Jew, as it were, right? And then you have the Magi, the three kings who most likely were not weren't Jews, right? They were uh, astrologers who had watched this sign, but they knew of the foretelling of a Messiah. So you have these three players, right? Yeah. And and so Joseph, of course, is very open to the Lord's call, and that he's so much so that when he has dreams, I don't know about your dreams, Tom, but mine don't make any sense. I would never follow any of my dreams. But Joseph's so close to the Lord that even in his dreams, um, he can hear the voice and discern and follows that. And the Magi, not as close to the Lord, but open, open, so open that uh, they, are, they are led by the star to the Messiah and are willing and able to understand the message not to go back and tell Herod. And then we have Herod, this one who is technically a Jew, but because of his fear and of loss of power, um, his jealousy, he ends up killing um, everyone under two years old for the mm-hmm. last for the last two years you know as the, the question that came right away was like how do these how could the lord the god of all the universe allow such a terrible thing to happen but what it isn't the lord that causes these things it's our it's our unwillingness to hear him as in herod he knew the message of the messiah but his response was was to amass power and control for himself versus Joseph's response to respond. And even in the Magi, who were unbelievers, they were even willing to respond to, to this call. And I think that comes back to that old hardening of hearts. You know, here, here's Joseph, uh, uh, a humble man, a man of poverty, 
who who listens to the voice of the Lord. And when the Lord he comes to him in a dream, he immediately rises and heads off for Egypt. And in, but the other response uh, to Herod is is the hardening of hearts. He he knows the voice of the Lord. He would have known uh, the, the scriptures. He was afraid because uh, he he told the the three magi to go find this individual, uh, but the voice of the Lord hardened his heart and turned him on himself to rely on himself rather than the Lord. And I think it goes back to even our, maybe our first conversation with the forgiveness of our enemies as Stephen was willing and able to do. Um, we have this hardness of our hearts in that I'm due a certain amount of respect or I'm due a certain amount of whatever it is that when somebody says something that offends me, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to forgive them um, until I see justice or until I see them get their comeuppance or whatever it is. Um, and that is, I mean, at least for me, um, certainly a hardness that I, that I see in my own heart um, that, that doesn't allow me to respond to the Lord's call. Yeah, and uh, unforgiveness is something that we have to almost deal with on a daily basis. Uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. Uh, it's in the Lord's Prayer for a reason. Absolutely. And just you know, sliding back a little bit to the, the Feast of St. John, um, I, one of the things that really stood out to me too there is where John, um, he doesn't go into the tomb until Peter does. He, there's that, that respect for authority, that respect for Peter's, the primacy of Peter we see there, um, and him going into the tomb and letting him get there in there first. And I think that might be also for ourselves, you know, in all of this, you know, wrapping it all back together, um, a lot of times we see ourselves as the authority. We see ourselves as, as the one who can judge good and evil and right and wrong. Um, but, but we have these blocks. We have this hardness of heart that keeps us um, from judging well, judging rightly. And so that is why the Lord does give us the church. That way he, that's why he, gives, he comes to us um, through the hierarchy of the church, through scripture, through the catechism, um, to help us know the truth. Uh, in this, giving us this authority. And we have to uh, be open to obedience to, to that authority, obedience of just listening um, and responding to the Lord's call because otherwise we become like Herod. We know the truth, but we don't live it. We want to be. Some of us start with being like the three kings and we don't know the Lord. And then we, we start to know the Lord. We either choose to become like Herod or we become like Joseph who can respond to the Lord's call. Through humility and prayer. And duty. Absolutely. Well, folks, you're listening to Real Presence Live. Uh, Steve Splonskowski here along with Tom O'Keefe. We're going to step aside for a little bit of a break, but we're going to come back on the other side of the conversation talking a little middle, bit more about Christmas and moving into some men's retreats we have coming up. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. 
If you are experiencing depression, anxiety, or suffering, especially from grieving, how can you find healing? I'm Father Chris Alar. While you should first seek professional help when needed, there is a roadmap that can help you to live your life again, and it is called the Spiritual Principles of Divine Mercy. First, come to admit that you are powerless over the loss of your loved one. Second, come to trust that Jesus can restore your life to manageability. And third, make the decision to entrust your will, your life, and your loved one to the loving care and protection of God. Join us and learn more about how to apply these healing principles in your life. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. For centuries, healthcare has been central to the healing ministry of the church. Today's technologies offer exciting possibilities, but also serious moral questions. More than ever, we need healthcare leaders who serve with integrity and conviction. The University of Mary answers the call to prepare leaders anchored in moral courage in a breathtaking range of programs from bioethics to nursing. Visit catholicprofessional.life. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. This is Real Presence Live. Steve Splonskowski along with Tom O'Keefe. And uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. We're still in the octave of Christmas and Tom and I have been talking about some of the wonderful readings, some of the great celebrations we've had at Mass since Christmas. St. Stephen on December 26th, St. John on December 27th, and today the Holy Innocents, a wonderful, wonderful feast in our church. Really, uh, really, Tom, uh, talking and speaking into this salvation history, the story. I love how in, in the Gospel readings oftentimes uh, it's quoted, you know, to quote Scripture, in the fulfillment of Scripture, um, as we know, that uh, really many of these things happened. Of course, the Lord knew these things would happen, but the prophets um, before Jesus' coming really foretold many of these things. And what's so amazing is that the Jews would have known these scripture quotes by heart, and when they would have seen this happen or heard these words, they would have been, wait a minute, there's something more going on here than what I'm, I'm hearing. This, this is actually a fulfillment of one of these prophecies. Yeah, but I, I think, you know, I, I can't, I'm not a scripture scholar, I can't really say, but I've always been kind of struck that the fact that they were looking for something else. They weren't, uh, they were looking for something else. They, were, they weren't looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a baby mm-hmm. to come. And it came in such a way that was unanticipated. Just their, their vision of a king. Right. A king that would uh, have dominion forever. What did that look like to them? Yeah. You know, in, in our preparation for Christmas last week, um, we had this pattern <clears throat> of kind of parallels we hear in, in the scripture, the parallels of Joseph receiving uh, the, the message not to walk away from Mary, not to divorce Mary. And then it moves over the next day to Zechariah and his being the foretelling of the birth of John. And then it moves back to uh, Mary and Joseph, and then back to uh, 
to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and then we have the birth of John, and then we have the birth of Jesus. There's this parallel back and forth, and what really stood out to me, Tom, too, is also this, this sense of how the Lord is really working, not only uh, generally, right, for the salvation of mankind, but individually, in each individual person. He works with our personalities, uh, with our nuances, with our inability to hear, where we have Zechariah has a very similar message, you know, brought to him by the same angel, the angel Gabriel, that they're going to have a son. And his response um, elicits for him silence, right? The angel says, okay, because you have not, you have not believed, you're going to be silent. The same angel comes and brings a similar message to Mary, um, and her response is, is yes, the Lord's, you know, w- Lord's will be done. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 that, that positive response where we have two people with a similar message with a, a little bit different uh, outcome. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, that affected their hearts. Let's talk a little bit about what's coming up uh, here as we finish out the, the octave of, of Easter. We've got a couple days here that are just the octave of Easter, mm-hmm. but then we have the Feast uh, of, of the Christmas. Ho- yeah, the, uh, Christmas. Excuse, Christmas, excuse me. We've got the Feast of the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and the Solemnity of the Blessed Mary, the yep. Mother of God. Yep, January 1. Uh, just, just powerful days. Uh, to think about and just a celebration of family and the and the role of of uh, family as, as you're reflecting on Christmas, how different would that be without the 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 beautiful families that we have well yeah i mean and that's isn 't uh really john paul II, as so as the family so goes the world uh really and why would why would there not be an attack on the family um, if that is you know really the building cell? the cell block of society when that's why we see uh, the family so under attack today um, but also why christ decided to enter the world through a family a mother and a father um, entering into that family life and and really truly tom truly entering into that you know there's that mystery we've been talking about that great mystery of jesus being fully divine and fully man and yet we hear the story of how he can still grow in wisdom mm-hmm. and in stature uh, he can true. He can choose to be obedient to a human mother and a human father, um, and yet he's still God. What a mystery! And spent most of his time here, immersed in that family life, right? In that community life, in that humble, just working, getting through the day, honoring your mother and father, that life, and then three years of his of his public ministry. Yeah, thirty years of preparation. For that ministry, we only uh, we should hear about him until he's uh, up till he's twelve, right? At the finding of Jesus in the temple, and then we hear nothing until the uh, really he shows up at uh, the baptism with John, uh, and when he's thirty. So there's many, many as the church calls them, the hidden years, right? The quiet years of Christ, where uh, he is preparing for this ministry. Uh, also speaks to each of us. I don't know about you, Tom, but I like to have exciting days where I feel like every day I'm having a huge impact on the world, and if I wasn't there, the world would be, you know, lesser. Um, but here the Lord is quietly preparing for his mission, um, which then he enters into the ministry, uh, the phase of his, of his ministry uh, for three years before his, his crucifixion. Yep, and, and, and much of our life is like that. It's, it's, and that's the beauty of life is, is that we, we have those days, days that are toil, and those days that are our beauty, and, and through faith and through perseverance and, and offering all that up to God is what makes it all beautiful in the end. 
Yeah, I think you're right. It's a living, oftentimes we hear the phrase living in the present moment, or the present moment is God's gift to us. It's, it's challenging to live in the present moment if we're always looking for the next thing, mm-hmm. the next exciting thing, or uh, you know, what, what's, what am I going to be doing tomorrow, or where, where do I get to be next? You know, after the Real Presence Live radio show, where am I going to do now? It's like you, I, I, I find myself not being able to find peace in the present yeah. moment because I'm thinking about the next moment. Yeah, because we can only experience God in this one. Yep. Not, the, not the last one or the next one. We can only experience him in this one right now, and that's where he's right there for us always. Well, and Tommy, I know too also that's what really stands out to me with Joseph and his, you know, these dreams that Joseph has. Really, all the Lord tells him is the next thing. Get up and take the child into Egypt. And then later he's like, get up and take him back. Wait, nope, go here. <laughs> you know, he's just like, next step, next step. I'm just, and he just, Joseph, this, this really trusting man, uh, just follows the next thing that the Lord. We, we, and what do we know of Joseph? Joseph, very little, except that he was really, uh, really willing and able to hear the Lord and to respond. So many times in, in these dreams of Joseph, or, and we see it in other passages, uh, even the, like the calling of Matthew and stuff, the, the next thing that they say is, and he rose. Mm-hmm. And that's it. He just rose and did what he was told and went on and trusted to do the next thing. He just didn't think about what he was going to do two, three days from now. He rose in command in response to the Lord's c- command. Yeah, so I mean, that's a, that certainly is another challenge for me too, Tom. I just, uh, as far as trying to live in that present moment, I know that that's, that's where the peace is at. You know, St. Ignatius often talks about just stay in the peace and only make decisions in times of peace. Um, but it's so, so challenging, so have such a desire to make a decision when I'm not happy. It's like, I'm not happy here right now. I want to go somewhere else. And so I'm going to make that decision to do that. And, and St. Ignatius tells us, wrong time. That's the wrong time to make that decision. You're not in peace. You have to be in a time of peace where you're thinking, okay, the Lord, you know, the Lord is present here. I'm, I'm okay with being here or not being here. Um, and, and now that's the, that's the time to try to do something or move into another direction or, or not. But it's, it, we want to get out of that discomfort. Uh, right away and that, that's where he's saying you need to stay here with the lord in the present moment because that's where he is he is really available to us right now and where i personally struggled is to look back at that place of discontent that place of struggle and be grateful for it mm. and be grateful that it brought me to this next place this next place of consolation or this next place of joy uh that that was part of of god's plan for me to get get to this to this point and uh, what can I learn from it? Uh, how can it help me make me stronger? How can it help deepen my faith? How can I be truly grateful for all those experiences, even if it's suffering? Yeah. Yeah, I know that's a challenge for me, too. I, I really struggle uh, embracing the suffering. Thank you, Lord, for the suffering. Now can you take it away? Because I said thank you. <laughs> that's kind of my prayer, Tom. How's that work for you? Yeah, well, you know, sometimes it works, but normally <laughs> it, it, he takes his time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a, a great gift, I think. And as, as we again, entering into this Christmas season, we are still in the octave of Christmas, which means the eight days of Christmas, still celebrating the birth of Christ. And uh, kind of an invitation to all of us to sit here at that manger scene for these eight days to continue to really contemplate the face of Jesus. As John Paul II continually reminds us, contemplate the face of Jesus. I was coming into work yesterday and listening to a little bit of secular radio, and of course, then December 26th, the debate of when to take the Christmas decorations down is raging across the earth. And I was just so saddened by it yesterday. 
that so much of that that they're missing out on 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 this this Christus octave and, and the the celebration should be lasting for eight days. Yeah, where the the emphasis before is is prior to Christmas, and then you celebrate Christmas and then you stop and and you're missing so much opportunity. Well, I think it's octave. I think it's a great point, Tom, because I think what we do, we have the tendency to prepare for this great event, and then we move on from the great event. We don't actually sit and soak in this great event. We're like, oh, I, I can't wait until I, I can't wait until I can't wait until, and then you get there, and they're like, no, I can't wait until the next thing. Wait a minute. I couldn't wait until Christmas, and then Christmas comes, and I just move on. It's, it's all about this anticipation, but we never sit in that moment and soak it in. We move from that to the next. If we would just slow down and say, I can't, that's fine. I can't wait until that moment. Okay, that's fine. But when you get to that moment, stop. Sit there in that moment. And this is, this eight days of Christmas is that opportunity to sit in this moment with Jesus. Yeah. The weather wasn't so good here in Fargo uh, this, this last weekend. And, and one of my daughters and her husband ended up staying with us for a couple extra days. And you talk about having that opportunity to sit in the moment. That, that one-day visit turned into a three-day visit, and how, what a blessing that was for us to spend time with them. So if we can take that one-day uh, Christ's birth to us and, and turn that into that eight-day celebration and just really meditate on that incarnation and what it means in your life, it would be so precious to you. Absolutely. Great opportunity to take these moments and really uh, focus in on our families, on the loved ones around us. Uh, you know, what is that special thing that you've noticed about your, your wife or your husband over Christmas? This one thing that uh, maybe has really, the thing that um, made you fall in love with them in the first place or choose uh, to enter into this life of giving in the first place, or each one of your children, or, or your parents, or your siblings. What are those special gifts that they have? Um, that you can take the time to notice the great gift. And, of course, in, in contemplating the face of Jesus, what he's giving to us. We're going to step away for a break, but on the other side of the break, we're going to come back and talk about a men's retreat we have coming up at Maryville with Devin Schott. And uh, what's going on with all this? We'll be right back. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In the Old Testament, Joshua confronts the Israelites as they prepare to leave their life in the desert to enter the Promised Land. He knows that the negative influences of Egypt and the surrounding Canaanite peoples are strong, and so he gives them a choice. Worship either the idols of the land or the one true God who delivered them from the land of Egypt. But why would the Israelites choose false idols over a God whose power they witnessed so clearly? Worshiping the God who performed so many clear signs seems like the obvious choice, right? But Joshua knew that the lures of the world had already blurred their vision. Sound familiar? We too are pressured to fit in for the sake of success in this world. Joshua did not waver. He said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Which God will you choose today, the gods of the land or the one true God? Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. God's blessings to all of you today as you are listening to Real Presence Radio. This is Father Wilhelm, and I'm a priest of the Diocese of Fargo. What a wonderful gift and a grace that we have in our Holy Church is that we have a Holy Mother, Jesus' Mother, who loves us so very much, and she prays for us 
Isn't it wonderful to have a mother on our side, a mother who prays for us, a mother who loves us as Christ as our brother? Then that means that Mary is truly our mother, our spiritual mother. And so as you pray that beautiful gift of the Hail Mary, let each of these prayers be as roses that is presented before her holy feet, and she brings our prayers and lays them before her son, Jesus, and all of us. Always listen to our mother. Listen to what our mother is asking you. Come to the Savior. Come to my son. Come to Jesus Christ. Thank you.